You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe It is the last collective cafe of 2023. The cafe is shutting down and uh, we will be back in 2024. Wow, can you believe it? What will happen in 2024 is the question. My second question is, where is my phone? Oh, there it is. On the other side of my desk as I lean across and try and get it without knocking over my Nespresso. Um, I hope you're well. Had a couple of uh, really good sessions uh, um, this week. I was really kind of happy with them. Um, One was kind of discussing the economists' uh, trends and uh, predictions. And uh, the other one was... You know, this whole idea of New Year's resolutions. So, you know, because it is a No Agenda Friday, um, I come in here with uh, with no agenda. And uh, based on whomever joins me, you get to basically 
uh, I don't know. Tell me what's on your mind. Maybe maybe you want to discuss predictions. Maybe you want to discuss resolutions. I did see something the other day uh, until um, where where was it? It was something that actually caught my eye. And I'm just trying to see, you know, like w- w- what I do, you know, from time to time is I will um, oftentimes I'll see something and I'll just um, immediately share it, you know, with someone or, uh, you know, I will just open it up in my um, in my browser. And so, yeah, I saw this the other day. I may as well just share it. Um, it's from Chief Executive and it says, Navigating an Uncertain 2024 Business Climate, a Guide for CEOs. So it's from Chief Executive, I guess it's a magazine. Um, and, the, you know, it starts off by saying, um, the year 2023 has set records for CEO turnover, and many are not surprised, from shareholder activism to global unrest, inflation, fallout from the pandemic, and the uncertain impact of AI's infiltration into the workplace CEOs face often impossible 24-7 challenges. So, by the way, um, you know, obviously, like, you know, plus one for AI there, um, and 24-7 challenges. You know, I could I could have an entire session today on this concept of 24-7 challenges because, you know, what this is telling me or what this tells me, because, you know, I... I think one of my superpowers is I, you know, I'm able to, I've always believed that my superpower is that I can look at a, you know, 100 page or a thousand page report or, or trend, you know, presentation. And I will find the one, I will find the needle in the haystack, haystack, the haystack, I will find the nugget. And so like immediately what I see, what my, what, what my eyes are attracted to is the concept of 24-7 challenges. What is a 24-7 challenge? A 24-7 challenge is, you know, the implication is the always-onness of it, right? Which is, you can't, it's not a, a one and done. It's not a checklist. It's not something that you can be like, hey, we're going to have a an off-site and spend one hour in the two-day off-site discussing AI's infiltration in the workplace it's it's this idea that all of these things are causing the ceo to have to think and anguish and you know and and uh, and extrapolate and predict and and uh, contingency plan on an ongoing and constant basis you know it is it makes me think obviously you know i didn't create alpha collective because i just pulled it out of thin air I, I created it because I believe it is a solution to a very real problem, which is the CEO, the CMO, the C-suite needs an always-on resource to be able to deal with always-on problems and challenges. If our problems and challenges are 24-7, then we need access to a network or a peer group or some kind of a service that is equally accessible and um, and valuable too. So it continues. Um, it's a meat grinder seat to be in. 
And it often takes time to find ways to navigate all the obstacles along the way, said Jane Stevenson, Corn Ferry Vice Chair, Board and CEO Services, and Global Leader CEO Succession Practice. Now, Corn Ferry is uh, an executive recruitment and talent firm. So it is no, da- you know, it is no surprise that we have someone who really understands um, talent, the importance of finding CEOs, replacing CEOs. Um, but there's, you know, another thing as well that 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 talks um, that there's been, you know, massive uh, turnover in in the C-suite. I, I'm pretty sure that I saw that um, in in the article. Um, yeah, right at the start. So it said the year 2023 has set records for CEO turnover. So let's continue as we approach the sunset of this year and set an eye toward 2024, let's examine the advice of 20 organizational leaders who recently ascended to the top role. They gave insights on what their key areas of focus will be in 2024. Now, I will say that one of the um, one of my most favorite and most uh, um, cited pieces of research, which I'll bet you either came from Corn Ferry or Spencer Stewart, the two you know, um, or Heinrich and Struggles, They're, those I think are the three premier uh, and premium executive recruitment firms, was back in the day the big disconnect between the CEO and the CMO. And at the time, from what I remember, the CEO cared about three things. One was growth, one was um, competitive advantage, and the other one was customer intimacy. I'm pretty sure those were the three, growth, customer intimacy and competitive advantage. Those were the three uh, priorities of the CEO. But the same study then went and asked the CMO what their um, priorities were, and their priorities were like brand guidelines and consistent messaging and, you know, and brand awareness. Um, and, and it may not have exactly been that, but there was clearly a disconnect between the CMO and the CEO the, the CMO function was not necessarily attached to business fundamental KPIs, whether it's, you know, whether it's revenue and, and revenue growth or growth of margin or growth of market share or growth of, uh, of profit, profitability, EBITDA, however you want to look at it, um, but certainly competitive advantage, um, staying competitive in the, and, and customer intimacy, which is really great to see a CEO uh, talking about. So, With that said, um, it then says the CEOs we surveyed identified three main challenges they faced during the transition into the role. Uh, Gaps on the senior team, on the senior executive team was 88%. A lack of a transformational culture was 65%. And then the third was unclear strategies and key priorities. Now, obviously, I look at this through an EOS lens, Um, you know, the Gaps on the senior executive team, EOS has a solution for that. It is called, um, it is the structure leadership ability. It is the accountability chart. Um, The unclear strategies and key priorities, again, that lives in what's called the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, but specifically in the form of what's called ROCs, which are 90-day business and individual leadership priorities. And then, you know, when I see a lack of transformational culture, to me, you know, that doesn't necessarily speak to uh, EOS unless, of course, you know, transformation 
is part of that vision traction organizer what you know the the core target the tenure target you know the importance the recognition that in order to stay the same in other words stay in business you have to change which is a little flip on the more things change the more they stay the same so you know arguably it's there as well but but for me you know i look to build to suck you know are you pro- embrace your heresy are you prepared to put yourself out of business um, you know, because if you don't, someone else will. So then the study continues and it says, uh, tackling these issues requires enterprise leadership and the courage to inspire the organization to transform for the future. And according to the CEOs we surveyed, there are three keys to success for both new and veteran CEOs. So now we just kind of expand it and we say, all right, well, these were for transitioning new CEOs. What about all CEOs? Well, the first one is a CEO must prioritize a clear purpose. And there's a quote from the CEO of Laurentian Bank of Canada, define a clear North Star and then align the organization. Of course, in the, e- in the EOS VTO, the first thing you tackle are core values and core focus, your, your passion, your cause, your purpose, and your niche. Um, and I will continue just because it's no agenda Friday, but you know, um, I will, you know, uh, I see Tim is here. Um, Tim, you can come up at any time if you feel like it. Otherwise, I'll just continue with this. Just raise your hand if you do. Um, It says, executives who prioritize a company's purpose and values are more likely to be effective leaders. In fact, 88% of CEOs we surveyed believe having a clear purpose and vision contributed to their success as a new CEO. Although driving business decisions based on purpose may cost the company in the short term, a purpose-driven strategy will likely provide long-term gains, whether related to impeccable customer service or supporting ESG initiatives. Um, And then there's another quote. Um, Yet there is another reason why connecting to a company's purpose is integral to CEO success as a leader. According to Corn Ferry Research, leaders who are more connected to the organization's purpose are more likely to be seen as authentic. With authenticity comes trust, and with trust comes loyalty from employees and customers alike. Um, I, I won't continue, you know, down number one, but I think what is important is, um, you know, it, it does say that, you know, CEOs who are true to themselves are better able to navigate times of uncertainty and build trust. Look, the reality is, is that um, the only constant now in business is uncertainty. So, you know, whether you so you better be true to yourself but i think it's it's bigger than that as well it's being able to kind of you know you've got to be so agile now you've got to be so nimble but you've also got to be so so humble and so um you know uh, uh open-minded um and not closed and not creating success theater as well so i do like the idea of authenticity and trust and inspiring trust etc and whether we call that purpose um, or, or just being, al- you know, for me, from a EOS standpoint, it is about alignment. It's about making sure that the entire leadership team and ultimately everyone in the company is aligned around the same vision of where the company is going and how to get the company there. Uh, number two, a CEO must focus on the top team. You can't have a high-performing team without people owning their KPIs. Uh, this is uh, Mark Wayford, CEO of Indo Agri. More than half, 53% of the leaders we surveyed, said having a strong leadership team was crucial to their effectiveness as a new CEO. And the CEO has agreed that selecting executives for their team went beyond considering ability. 
So EOS talks about GWC, gets it, wants it, and has the capacity to do it. So we have God-given ability, right? We have, ad- we have aptitude, then we have attitude, and then we have acquired capability. So look, there's no question um, that um, being able to, I mean, I had Priscilla McKinney on my show, and uh, she said something brilliant. She said, just, you know, having people in the room um, doesn't necessarily, you know, that's just geography, right? Even having the right people in the room, that's still geography, you know, and, and from a diversity, equity, inclusion, and access standpoint, you know, my quote for, for her was, um, just having people in the room doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the room where it happens. Um, so you have to actually learn how to collaborate too. So yes, right people in the right seats, that's an EOS term again, but also you've got to know how to work. You've got to actually have a, 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 a culture and a process around how you talk, how you communicate, how you collaborate, and that is, is team health. The other point um, that's really uh, you know in, included um, in this is this idea of um, setting the right KPIs for each executive team member, and it should be reviewed regularly. Again, two things that EOS does 1,000% from the very, very first session. It says new CEOs should also avoid micromanaging, uh, duh, and build trust among the team by providing the tools they need um, to be successful. Um, so that's number two. Now, the third one is a CEO must drive uh, transformation. And so there's a quote, I want us to be better tomorrow than today. To drive a culture of transformation, leaders must create an environment that embraces change and encourages innovation at every level of the organization. Um, So, you know, it says, we heard from executives that as a CEO, it is important to make people comfortable telling you what is wrong so you do not work on the wrong priorities. Uh, It's about creating a mindset where leaders and employees alike are willing to challenge the status quo and continuously look for ways to improve. You know, at EOS, we call it entering the danger, you know, open and honest, just being able to kind of like, just say it, just like, you know, why, like, we need to focus on the greater good of the company rather than individual egos, you know, and hurting someone's feelings. Of course, you can always do everything um, in, in a respectful uh, manner as well. Uh, transformation does not happen overnight. According to 71% of the CEOs we surveyed, it takes leaders with a strong presence and skills to model values, behaviors, and practices that define how people within the organization interact, partnering with employees at all levels to inspire culture of transformation. Other critical competencies for successful transformation include attracting top talent, 65%, embodying a strategic mindset, 53%, and managing complexity, 47%. Um, and so, you know, I, I really enjoyed reading the article because, you know, whether you're looking at the first three, remember, just as a reminder, um, we're talking about um, gaps on the senior executive team. That is repeated. A CEO in the second, you know, the second analysis, a CEO must focus on the top team. Then you've got the second one, which is, which is a lack of uh, transformation culture. And this is represented as a CEO must drive transformation. And then the slightly different one is, this idea of the divergent one is unclear strategy and clear priorities versus a CEO must prioritize a clear purpose. But you could almost align those two as well and say, like, 
you know, w- what is purpose at the end of the day is why do we exist? Why are we in business? What's the goal? You know, we often say at EOS that there are four types, right? There's companies, there's, there's um, fixing, there's helping, um, there is building, and there is winning. Four types of purposes out there. And, um, and oftentimes the purpose is always bigger than the company. It is always, you know, it is bigger than any individual. And, and oftentimes the purpose has nothing to do with even the company. Like if you read it, you would have no idea. Um, you know, like when we look at, at, at Coca-Cola or, or even Disney, I think Disney's purpose is, you know, to um, make people happy. Well, you know, what business is that? It could be any business, I suppose. Um, and so... You know, I just wanted to share that as well because um, no one is immune from the winds of change. Uh, no one is uh, excluded from uncertainty. You know, if CEOs in 2023 had record turnover, well, guess what happens within the organization? It is a domino effect. It is a cascading effect down and through the entire organization. Believe it. Believe that. You know, and and oftentimes, just because companies are so you know political, <clears throat> and there's so many fiefdoms and loyalties, and what do they call it? Fruit of the po- poison pills, and I don't know, fruit of the poison tree, or maybe that's a legal thing. But but typically, what happens is, you know, when a CEO comes in, they bring in their executive team, or certainly we've seen it in marketing when a CMO comes in. You know, the first thing they typically do is they you know they they'll kind of fire the old god they'll fire the agency they'll put the agent the the agent the the account uh into uh review and uh lo and behold they'll probably end up hiring their agency that they worked with in their previous uh business and you can look at it and call it cronyism if you like um you know you could also argue the opposite side which is which is, you know, you work, you, you want to bring in your people, your team, your old, you know, internal and external teams because you work well together, you trust them, they're reliable, um, you know they're going to deliver, um, and, and there's an understanding. Um, so you can look at it both ways as well. But there is this unbelievable cascading effect that happens. Um, and when that happens, and you can imagine how hard it is to now hire for strategic fit and cultural fit, um, how difficult, how long that process must take, and um, and how much training and how much you know uh, trust building takes place. It's no wonder that companies fail, large companies in particular fail, because of this you know Groundhog Day. It's a different type of Groundhog Day that happens, and you know by the time all the new people. Um, are brought aboard, you know, the world has changed, the world has moved, the goalposts have shifted, the 24-7-ness of all this uncertainty has impacted. Their eye, you know, is not on the prize because they're, you know, because they're constantly playing uh, catch-up and having to get back to, you know, to to starting position. Um, and, um, and, and so, you know, as I said, if... The CEO is feeling the pain. You can be sure that the entire company is feeling the pain as well. So what's a CEO to do? I mean, I'm not coming up with answers today, but I can tell you that, I mean, clearly when we hear about talent, surround yourself with people that are better than you, that are bigger than you. 
you know, I mean, this is still, for the most part, business is still all about people. Um, And, you know, being able to find the best and the brightest at every level of the organization clearly um, is absolutely key. Um, You know, when we talk about um, the other thing that, that, that just hits me, is this idea of transformation. I mean, my whole entire career really has been focused on change and transformation. You know, whether it's from life after the 30-second spot through join the conversation, uh, flip the funnel, zero, built to suck, um, you know, even forever changed my new book, which is not necessarily about business, uh, but it does talk about, you know, this idea of transformational change. My why statement, I help people, I help companies, I help leadership teams get unstuck, return to growth and become forever changed. To be forever changed implies going through some kind of transformation or metamorphosis. You know, there's that saying that says, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. But I, I take you back to that statement. It was from my, you know, one of my mentors, Rashad Tabakawala. And he said, the more you want, he said, the more you want things to stay the same, the more you have to change. I love it. Now, one of the ways I think about it, I always use this analogy. If you've ever watched uh, Formula One racing, if you've ever watched um, you know, racing, you will notice that um, you know, the car, the, the, the F1 you know, racing car is driving at whatever it is, I don't know, 300 miles per hour or 260 miles per hour, something ridiculous. And, um, and the car is going straight, right? It's like you know, just going down a straight path. But when you actually look at the in kind of cockpit, right, the, the camera inside that is focused on the steering wheel, um, you will notice that the steering wheel is moving at like this massive, massive rate. Massive rate. Like it's, there's so much, um, you know, uh, uh, like interference and, you know, and uncertain, not uncertainty, um, you know, just like, you know, like uh, resistance and the track, you know, things on the track, it's just, and the, just the, the pressure and whatever. You can see I'm not a racing car driver. And, and so what they're doing is in order to stay the same, in order to keep the car actually going straight, they are going left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, and adjusting. And, and I mean, the same could be said for riding a bike. Uh, the same could be said for looking at even the price of crypto. You know, when you look at, <clears throat> when you look at the all-time chart of Bitcoin or, you know, Sol or, or ETH, you don't see the volatility that you would see <clears throat> if you were looking at a month chart, a week chart, a day chart, or an hourly chart. The more you want things to stay the same, the more you have to change. So it's a different, a different way to think about the fact that, you know, in the minutiae, in the day-to-day of it all, we are that proverbial duck that looks calm and just kind of just chilling um, above the waterline, but below those feet are kind of paddling for dear life, so to speak, in order to avoid sinking in order to basically stay afloat and uh and i'm just a big believer that you know if you if you can create a culture that is constantly changing um you know you've heard all the you know you've heard all the the things that i've said many many times right change happens when the pain of changing 
is greater than the pain of not changing. Guess what? There's pain either way. There's always pain. There's always pain. Um, but sometimes you have to be able to, you know, manage and mitigate and and understand and, and make a judgment call be, between the opportunity cost of that pain. Now, of course, you know, one of the things I always say, which is if you're a masochist, then you love pain. In other words, if you're an entrepreneur, then you love pain. Sure. I mean, that's the kind of slightly like, you know, snarky approach. I mean, it does help if you do love pain. Sure. And, you know, and you have to kind of be somewhat of a masochist to be an entrepreneur because why would you? You know, during COVID for three plus years or three years, uh, people that ended up still with, with, you know, cushy corporate jobs, they got paid. They got their paycheck. I mean, you know, they didn't feel the pain. They felt maybe different pains, but they didn't really feel the pain of being, let's say, someone like myself who was, you know, getting business hustling from being at events and speaking at conferences and keynote speaking and consulting. When you consult on innovation, ironically, it's the first budget to get cut. The experimental stuff. Ooh, let's do a workshop on putting ourselves out of business. That seems like a luxury. Let's rather just focus on hitting our uh, quarterly earnings and KPIs. By the way, many of those companies are now out of business because they weren't looking too far ahead. But that's the price you pay for being an entrepreneur. But I digress. I bring you back to this, <clears throat> this, this notion of pain. Excuse me for one second. <clears throat> I think, unfortunately, that probably got picked up on the podcast version. So if you were listening, I had to clear my throat. Um, if you were in the podcast version, I, uh, I apologize if you had to hear that. I think in many respects, one of the problems is that corporate people just don't feel pain enough. They're numb. They're, they're not numb because, you know, they've, they've been made numb. You know, when you are in that cushy job, you don't feel enough pain. You need to feel pain. You've got to feel pain. You've got to feel, by the way. Goal number one in life is to feel, is to get someone else to feel, your consumers to feel. Like we always say, love, hate, but just don't, you know, I want you to love me, um, but if you can't love me, then I'd prefer you hate me. I just don't want you to have no opinion of me, be indifferent to me, be apathetic towards me. Because when we are truly kind of vanilla or neutral or apathetic or indifferent, that's when we actually just, it's not even that we fall out of love because we're not in love. We just forget. We move on. Just had a really great session um, with Dan Gingis. Um, that episode will will be released next year. And, uh, and the whole concept was about extraordinary Right, Ex extraordinary. Extraordinary means extraordinary. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're like even more ordinary. What it means is you just have to do a little bit more. 
just to stand out. Just be a little bit better than ordinary, extraordinary, ordinary plus in order to really get noticed. That is, sadly, how low the bar is these days, but also should be encouraging to those who actually feel the or have the ability to rise up and do that little bit extra, the little bit extra ordinary in order to be noticed, in order to get someone to care or to, to feel. I always find, found, and you know, I mentioned this, mentioned this several times throughout this whole journey in the Collective Cafe, that um, you know, when I was a buyer, when I was an agency person, I just had no clue about the world about the 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 media world outside of my agency all i knew is that reps would take me to fancy restaurants and buy me gifts or fly me to exotic locations on boondoggles that didn't really happen that i don't even think that happened at all but you know that was kind of the world i mean the world was um i did have reps take me to yankees games amazing seats you know, but certainly the restaurants and, you know, gifts at the end of the year. This was before there was like a massive clampdown. And uh, and I definitely went to many different boondoggles that were really just conferences where the buyers were, um, you know, attended for free. And the publishers and the technology companies basically paid through their teeth and sponsored. And, oh boy, did I love how, you know, every night we'd go back to our room and there were just like all these incredible expensive gifts that's that's where the gifts came so and then and then you know and then i left the agency world and suddenly you know i was desperate to get a free pen or a or a free journal or a you know like a <laughs> a little book to write in usb stick all the stuff that i had like piles and piles of and I almost took for granted. Now I was like, you know, just give me anything free. Give me one of those little stress balls that I could take home to the kids. Suddenly I realized how difficult it was to be a seller, how hard it was, what it takes and what it took to get someone's attention on the buy side. And I felt bad and I felt almost like maybe I was getting what I deserved, which was, you know, just the amount of times that I would keep a seller waiting not you know not to be mean but you know just my boss walked in and and I would just sit with the my boss or a client would call or you know whatever there was some legit and there was some maybe less legit but you know or cancel 20 minutes before this person had booked a lunch and was halfway across town I'd be like I'm so sorry but you know there's a new business pitch I was just pulled into that was the way it worked But I guess if I could do it all over again now, I would say, well, you know what? I'm actually, I've got a lunch appointment with a rep. I, I, I will not be able to attend this new business meeting. And, you know, in the future, it would be great to set this up with more than 12 hours notice. Yeah, good luck trying to enforce that in the agency world. Never going to happen. Always putting out fires, but um, yeah, I mean, it. I I learned. You gotta you gotta feel pain. You gotta you gotta 
go through you know the journey of pain in order to taste a little bit of the exhilaration of pleasure and don't get too used to it because then it's time to move on to the next challenge that's the way life works that's the way life should work and maybe just maybe not enough ceos feel pain or feel enough pain because they all have that beautiful little golden parachute attached to them they all have the contract they all have you know the ability to rise to the level of their own incompetence and then gently gently float down to earth with a big payday so sure the buck stops you know the buck stops here the buck stops with the ceo of the company but is it really their money is their bonus up is their you know exit in play should it be yes it should of course it should if you want the ceo to be accountable then you have to hold them accountable i mean it's quite simple really so as we think about 2024 i'm glad i got an opportunity to to discuss to actually think about um you know think about business from from the from the top spot think about business from the top spot the ceo you know don't cry for the ceo we don't like to be there but also you know be careful what you wish for and yeah you know, i've been privileged through e- through eos to work with ceos that fill a role that eos calls visionary the visionary role sometimes yes sometimes no but one of the best ways that i think about it is untethering them from the organization allowing them to to soar not to you know not to icarus their way to the sun and get burnt and come crashing and crashing and burning but the ability for them to bring the perspective the freedom um the ability to develop that vision remember those 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 points let me repeat them again for you filling gaps on the senior executive team transformational culture developing implementing scaling however you want to call it and um and creating clear strategy and key priorities and then this idea of a ceo must prioritize a clear purpose a ceo must focus on the top team a ceo must drive transformation those are three roles three key roles i might argue <clears throat> if a ceo does nothing but that they're probably going to hit those initial <clears throat> priorities from that study decades ago growth competitive advantage and customer intimacy 
I want to just speak briefly on all three because I've never forgotten them. You know, when I talk about growth and return to growth as part of my own why statement, I think about this idea of, well, you can grow in, in, in different directions, right? You can grow taller, but you can also grow fatter. You can grow in girth, right? So there's, there's good growth and bad growth. These days, many companies, the only way they can grow is through acquisition because they're not growing organically, so they have to pay their way towards growth. You can grow in, you can grow market share, you can grow profit uh, bottom line, you can grow top line, you can grow um, you can also grow up. You can mature. You can grow in terms of understanding <clears throat> why you're in business, developing that purpose. You know, becoming more uh, community conscious, community capitalism, conscious capitalism. So there's different kinds of growth. You know, my little Venn diagram of, of this idea of purpose, it's purpose as one circle, the other one being DEI and A, and the, and the last one being what I call societal issues. Where do you stand? You need to have a stand. You need to make a stand. You need to take a stand on everything as opposed to just vanilla your way through life. You can do that, but... Why would anyone want to choose you? Why should anyone choose you? Or, to put differently, someone's going to come along that does have that purpose, that does you know, have a point of view and take a stand on societal issues. And as I've been, you know, many people now talking about how DEI, D-E-N-I has failed us the inconsistencies that we're seeing, where it appears only some groups are part of the consideration, but others are not. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about in that particular context. So growth. Because if you're not growing, you are either stagnating or declining. And if you're stagnating, you may as well be declining. Hope is not a strategy, and status quo is not a strategy. Status quo is just a stay of execution. So remember that. Status quo is just a stay of execution. And sometimes, by the way, you know, just staying alive or staying afloat, giving yourself a little bit more runway can be enough. But that's not really status quo. I mean, it could be strategic status quo, but it's more than that, right? Just being able to survive long enough, but there's got to be a plan. It's, not, it's survival with purpose. So that's how I look at growth. Competitive advantage I mean, the only thing I would add to that now is that, you know, these days, the competitive set is very different, right? We could go down the whole discussion about Coke versus Pepsi, Pepsi versus Coke. We could look at the beverage industry. We could have Cokes, we're competing for share of stomach. We can have Coke saying we're competing with Apple because at the time, a 99 cent, you know, 99 cents would buy you a can of Coke or a download on Apple on Apple's iTunes store. 
You have many different companies that are actually standing for different things now. So they are actually changing the business. Had a wonderful conversation the other day about Amazon. Right? Is Amazon an online bookseller that offers great fulfillment and customer service? Or is Amazon an incredible customer fulfillment company that happens to sell books online? Because of them being in the fulfillment business, they were able to not just be in the book business, they were able to be in the cloud hosting business. They were able to be, you know, in, in expand uh, into original content and streaming because that was the superior fulfillment, you know, of and, you know, and customer service of content, etc. So competitive advantage, in many respects, you could argue, we're not just competing with a different set of competitors, we're also competing with technology, i.e. AI. (laughs) And oftentimes we're competing with ourselves because we are our own worst enemy. We are, we get in our way because of the politics, because of team health, because of our inability to fill that talent. And then I guess the last one is customer intimacy. You know, and I've always loved, I always loved that phrase, by the way. You know, I, in, in, in Built to Suck, um, came up with, thought it was original, but it wasn't. In fact, it was in the very first letter to shareholders from Jeff Bezos. I called it customer obsession. I knew that I knew that I didn't want to, um, that I didn't want to, I wanted to go beyond customer service and then customer satisfaction and then customer experience and most of the industry is still living in what they call CX, customer experience. But I loved customer obsession. And apparently I share that concept with Jeff Bezos and that is great company to be in. So customer intimacy it doesn't feel as strong as customer obsession, but any CEO that's focused on staying close to their customer, intimate, intimacy implies relationship, it implies trust, it implies loyalty, probably implies obsession as well. I would add to that employee intimacy, not too intimate, otherwise you're going to get sued. Employee obsession talent obsession gets back to the whole idea of the team how can you how can you be truly intimate with a customer if you don't have the best and the brightest on your team and on the front lines so i hope this has been helpful to you and valuable to you as you think about your 2024 as you think about whether you are a small, medium-sized, growing business, whether you're a large corporation, whether you're a solo entrepreneur dealing with those companies, ultimately, if you want to be customer intimate, whether you are a business coach or a consultant or a freelancer or a creator, remember what keeps them up in bed at night, what gets them out of bed in the morning. 
clear alignment of vision and purpose of where the business is going and how to get the business there, surrounding themselves with the best and the brightest. But remember, just having them in the room doesn't mean necessarily it's going to be the room where it happens. Staying intimately close, almost obsessively close with your customers and above all, being healthily and strategically paranoid about the developing and honing what I call the survival instinct. The continuum between self-preservation and adaptation. The continuum between don't kill me and I'm going to kill you if it comes down to it. Evolution, the ability to grow up and grow out the metamorphosis that allows us to achieve our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal, our becoming, to change with the times, even if that change can be a little bit painful, but hopefully a change that, and a pain that we can tolerate. And just to make it a slightly less abstract, I mean, just consider um, training for a marathon or getting into the gym. Those noises, you know, those bodybuilders, the grunts and the groans and the, I mean, it sounds damn painful. Sometimes it sounds pleasurable. It sounds like they could be under the covers in the bed. And that's, I guess, people who really love the pain. But the noises, the grunts, the pain, the painful or the pleasurable screams that's a kind of a very, you know, real, very tangible idea. How do I know? How do I know it's good for me? How do I know it's working? Because it's hurting. No pain, no gain. As simple as that. So, I'd, as much as I'd like to wish you a um, a pain free twenty twenty four. I wish for you a 2024 filled with pain. But pain that you can handle. Pain that at the end of the day, you can go back and sink into your lazy boy and pour yourself a scotch or a, or a, or a cold beer and say, today I worked hard. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Feel proud about what you've accomplished and what you have yet to accomplish because no doubt you will get there. I will see you in 2024. Take care, have a healthy, safe, and meaningful holiday break. Bye-bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.